Today's episode of Daily DVR dives into Veronica Mars is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com now and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. That's right, the whole shebang, baby. DVR20, use it. You need a belt, you need cufflinks, you need ties, you need like a pocket square. Come on, look good. Elevate your style when you walk out the door in the morning. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. They have everything you need and they got a great blog over there too that'll help you if you have an event coming up. So go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR. Does Veronica Mars, my name is Axel. And of course, my co-host is Ken. You can find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com. Consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash DVR and send feedback to DVRpodcast at gmail.com. Today, we're going to be talking about Veronica Mars Season 4, Episode 3. We've already covered Seasons 1, 2, and 3 and the movie, so you can go back and listen to those. I also want to give a quick shout out. If you are a fan of Westworld, subscribe to the Westworld Theorycast. Justin Thomas and I did a breakdown of the season three trailer, which was awesome. And if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, we just had a great discussion, uh, which was Justin and Roberto from A Pot of Casts. And we talked all about season eight and the fan reaction. And go back and listen to Ken and I talk about Game of Thrones. If you found us here on Veronica Mars. That's how we all got started, baby. Game of Thrones. All right, let's get to it. Speaking of Ken, I think he's on the other line. Hello, Ken. Are you there? I am here. <laughs> I I wish I could say I was flying high on E, uh, <laughs> but I'm not. But uh, but I do still have my head. So um, so that's that's good news. Yeah. Uh, too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Um, I, uh, yeah, that, you know what, that kind of surprised me. I have to say, um, let's jump right in. What did you think of now? We're going to talk about episode. We're going to do what we did last time, which is we're going to record two podcasts today. Um, but we're going to keep it spoiler free. So we're just going to talk about episode three and then we'll talk about episode four. And well, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, at the end of it, we'll be caught up and ready to go into episodes five and six when we record those. So what was your first kind of reaction to this episode three? And we're talking about, of course, the title is uh, Keep Calm and Party On, Baby. <laughs> um, I thought it was plot heavy in the best possible way. I mean, we are talking about a mystery. This is a mystery show after all. So by their very nature, I think mystery shows are always sort of plot heavy, particularly in the middle of the story. Yeah. Um, but Rob and Diane have a great, uh, you know, they have a great way of balancing kind of this plot heavy, you know, exposition, you know, the plot um, moving forward with events and clues but also kind of still doing the the humor and the character stuff um, and kind of the interesting kind of moments, kind of like the political stuff too. So I, I did think that this episode was plot heavy, but I did not mind in the least. I thought it was continues to be a dark and violent season. And this episode is no exception. Um we got a return, a welcome return, which we're going to talk about in a little while. Um, 
We're still missing someone, which we're also going to talk about. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, big thumbs up for me. How about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought that this was a really fun and interesting episode, and especially because of the kind of like party break yeah. that they take, which I yeah. thought was pretty interesting and fun, and it it brought back. You know, I've been talking about, and we've both been talking about how, in in a sense, this show had a great first season, a second season that was a bit convoluted. They were trying some, maybe they didn't get there. There was resistance from the network. And then a third season that was pretty much watered down, you know? And we still enjoyed it, but it was different. So it's always in a sense, kind of like a return to something. But I think that this scene gives me something that I felt like Veronica Mars didn't hadn't really given us, but it gave it like a return to a feeling of high school and fun, right? And letting loose and remembering that um, not everything is super terrible because we're learning more not only about you know this super heavy plot, but we're learning a lot more about Veronica and the characters, right? Like yeah. it's getting deep into her, and well, I. I feel like there's lots of movies and television shows that wouldn't allow a character like Veronica to frivolous to frivolously party on X on on X. Yeah. Um, because I think the concern from a network or from certain producers would be is she still going to be likable? Um, or is she going to be seen as, you know, a slut or a druggie or superficial? So but the fact of the matter is, is that she was Lily Kane's best friend. And Lily Kane was a fun girl in lots of different ways. <laughs> yeah, she was a fun girl. Cool. You hit upon what I was thinking about. Thank you, Ken. Yeah. And there was a reason why she was Lily Kane's best friend. They had fun together. Uh, she, Lily made Veronica laugh. And Lily got Veronica to do things out of her comfort zone. Um, and Lily was a party girl. So it makes perfect sense that at this point in Veronica's life, she's barely in her early 30s, that she would still have remnants of that in her DNA. And that every once in a while, she'd want to let loose. Um, Don't we all? Exactly. Don't we all? And again, it's, it's good to be reminded of that because we're learning more about her and it's it's kind of darker, you know, it's, yeah. we're not getting these reveals of that Veronica's super happy. We're getting more of a reveals of how she really is a loner and, and kind of isolating herself in many ways. And we're seeing that. So that was really kind of welcome, but yeah, I love this episode was a lot of fun and it definitely, we have to move that plot along, you know, right. and it's going in a certain direction And I'm still, I think this episode is one that brings up the, like, what are the red herrings? What's really going on? Because we're starting to be pushed in a certain direction of where the bombing is coming from. And it's up to us, like Veronica, to be a little suspicious of, of anyone who thinks they know what's going on right now. There's still more clues to find. Well, it seemed like the Maloofs were the focal point of episodes one and two. We move on to a new focal point 
in this episode and in episode four. So you're right. The move, the mystery is morphine and um, moving forward. But with that means that there are new suspects. So uh, we opened this episode, a great, a great cold open Um, classic Veronica Mars in a way, but also like, once again, kind of like more adult, mature, darker, literally darker because it takes place at night. But, (laughs) but Veronica's jogging. See, here's like, here's a great thing. It's nourish. Um, it's violent. It's funny, but it's also a character beat because what does it say about Veronica that she enjoys the alone time of jogging at night? Yeah. Yeah. She, she, and, and also she seems to kind of actually enjoy that she gets mugged. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like she likes the challenge, right? Yeah. Like she's a, and she takes the dude out, his name Juan Diego, yeah. uh, and finds the six hundred dollars in new bills in his wallet, giving a little spidey sense up there as we're thinking about we found we already found out about the pooping. Uh we knew about that last episode. Yeah. Things were going on that seemed little criminal activities, and she's putting two and two together which with each interaction and this is a young PCHer. So we like, we know that that connects to the history too. Well, there's also that foreboding of the final line of that cold open before the title sequence, which is, she says, you know, cause she finds the six crisp hundred dollar bills. And she says, I ended up forming a theory that would change my life. Um, and, and it sounds from the tone of her voice like not in a good way. So once again, there's kind of like from the end of the, of the premiere, there's a sense of foreboding yeah. um, about this mystery and what it may ultimately mean to Veronica because she's narrating from the future, which is causing me all kinds of anxiety. <laughs> but it, it is. It's because yeah. the weird thing is like, you know, it, 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 it seems. Because you want to believe that there's going to be a positive resolution here, right? That at the end of this, it was going to happen. What has happened before with Veronica, most cases, they figure out what's going on and there's some sort of resolution, right? Some sort. Um, But everything, Matt, when she has the voiceover with Maddie, it's ominous, right? This is ominous. She talks about there being like a crime wave going on and just kind of putting all the pieces together. And uh, Neptune is uh, is is in a bad place. It is. Mars got to take it out. But I love that little <laughs> shocker that she has. <laughs> the little, uh, that, what are those things called again? Uh, a taser? Sh- yeah, a little taser. I love that I, little taser. I would probably accidentally tase myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> so would I. I, I, it would happen. It would definitely happen. I could, ne- yeah, I'm totally, I don't have like weapons like that around because for that exact reason, I know that I would accidentally hurt myself. You know, I barely have sharp knives when I'm cooking. Um, so then we move, uh, we're getting back with the, uh, cartel hitmen sitting yes. there in the old hotel, Alonzo and Dodie. And yes. I love these two. Oh my um, god, I love him so much. Yeah, and we see that um Alonso has a girlfriend. She seems yes. to work there at the hotel. She's and- making him special shampoos for his luxurious <laughs> hair. And he's I but he like 
it's cool because there's like they're also doing a lot of character work, like economical character work. Like Alonzo is not into God, not into religion. Dodie is. Like yeah. Dodie goes to get the Bible back after Alonzo, you know, takes it out of the drawer. Um they're <laughs> and and they're also showing like the mundaneness of being a hitman. Like they're just sitting around in their hotel room waiting for the next break. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not, they're not at a casino. They're not living the high life. This is real salt of the earth grunt work that they're doing. And Rob Thomas and Diane are not trying to glamorize it in a way. They're just sitting in a hotel room, you know, but, but Alonso obviously is getting some loving. Um, and good for him. Good for him, I say. It's great because they they didn't just – they're just not like arriving there. It was right from that scene on the beach. They're yeah. really like becoming a part of the texture of Neptune, yeah. you know, like integrating themselves into the story. And that's what I think is cool, right? Like yes. that's what makes this show great. Every time a new character pops up, you could almost follow them for a couple of scenes and you'd be fine with it because yeah. everybody's cool and everybody's interesting. Take a little break from our Veronica Mars discussion to remind you to go to our presenting sponsor, cufflinks.com, baby. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20. Get 20% off your order, no minimum. That's right, baby. It's all there for the taken. If you like NCAA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Marvel, DC, they've got everything. Hey, man, they got new stuff for the Aladdin movie. It's amazing stuff. Check it out. Cufflinks.com has everything along with those classic styles that just look good. They don't, they're not all genre stuff. They've got the classic stuff too. So go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20 today. So then we find Maddie visiting Penn at the pizza shop. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a little scene with them. And then Veronica and Keith show up too. So we have a little kind of pizza shop thing going on here. And um, one of the things that I realized while I was watching it is that he works at the pizza shop of the is of the kid I think it was season 2 that didn't get the scholarship because his parents wasn't that that kid whose parents yeah. owned yes okay yeah yeah and it turned out that his dad was the bad guy yes at the end, like his dad was the perpetrator of, of, of that week's mystery. And because of that, he ended up having to walk away from his scholarship. Yeah. And so we don't find out what happened to him or am I wrong? And is he somehow running the pizza shop and we haven't realized it yet? Well, the only person we've seen other than Penn Epner and maybe a few random people in the background is a girl, a young girl who's obviously younger than Penn. Um, but she kind of seemed like his manager, right? She's yeah. like, yeah your fan club and you know you know she tells maddie to leave because she doesn't work there um and she seemed like quote unquote the manager though she was never identified and she's unnamed um so who knows if we'll see her see her again or if we'll be introduced to more people who work at the pizza shop but um but pen is obviously still on his media tour um, he loves the attention. Um, <laughs> he loves it. 
this is very uh, this is great stuff because this is very on point for today. Yes. And you know, Veronica Mars has always included like the sex tape stuff and the cell phone stuff and the tech stuff. And um, this is just a great character. And I know it's a little bit of typecasting because Patton Oswalt is kind kind of always this character. But I almost feel like maybe this is the best time he's played this character because he's getting to be, he really has some three dimensions to him, you know, and he has, he has like a point and I, I kind of like, it's like, I'm finding him like, I like him, but he's annoying. Right. And he's not (laughs) helping anything, but I kind of like him. And in fact, he's often making things worse. Yes. Very Um, worse, but I like him. Uh, yes, I like him too because, you know, probably because of Patton Oswald himself, yeah. he bring he's such an innately kind of sweet, he has a sweet energy about him. So even when he's doing the most boneheaded or self-serving things, there is still sort of this enthusiastic childlike energy about him, which ultimately makes him likable. Yeah, I dig him. This is cool. And um, when Veronica and Keith arrive there, this is before he uh, has his little media interview outside in front of the cameras. He invites them to his murder head meeting. Right. Um, and yes. uh, I think I think also at this point he mentions that he has – some bit of evidence to show them, right? Isn't it in this first initial meeting? I don't think I had that in my notes, but I think it's his first initial meeting that he says that he has some kind of results or something. Um, or does he say that later? I think he says that when he comes with the pizza. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I thought he's made some mention of that here of like, try to get them to come to the meeting, but I like the way they're established. He's just like, he's right in it, man. He I is right him. in. I dig him. Yeah. Um, so then we go to Logan. Uh, he's with Congressman Maloof and the family. They're just always, ha- they're just like the hitman. They're just always hanging out in this hotel. <laughs> also, <laughs> Congressman Maloof, you're like the worst congressman in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's terrible. He's the worst. He's terrible. And man. even Veronica was like, you changed your minimum wage vote. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like she even brings up the politics of it. Like what a bad politician he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they find out about this masturbation video. <laughs> and um, I think this is a, this is on brand for him because he yes. is just kind of like a, like a squirrely guy, you know? Yeah. This character just like he just doesn't have a backbone. He just goes with the wind. He's always just looking to protect himself, right? He doesn't seem to have any real interaction with his brother or his mom. They're always at odds. And the fact that he's being blackmailed for a video of him masturbating just kind of makes sense. And also, like Veronica said, like, it's 2019. Everybody has a video. <laughs> right. Like, right. You're going to, you're going to affect people's lot. It's, and that little line that she says is kind of important, right? Because it's like, you're going to change so many, like a minimum wage vote or some other thing. So many people's dreams over you being embarrassed, but you would elevate yourself. You by any means necessary. 
Yes. You know, like there's no count. There's no balance there. It's all about you. And yeah. and I think that that is an interesting thing because though Keith and Veronica are working for Congressman Maloof, they're really not, right? Like Veronica and Keith are really trying to solve the case. And he right. is simply their entry point into being able to do a greater good. Yeah. Um, but is that going to – does that – kind of sacrifice the good in a sense, right? Like that's always, that's why I like this show and why it's interesting that they're detectives. And at some point I remember I had wanted Keith to become the sheriff again so they could get into it. But now that we've seen, we saw him become a sheriff for a little while. Now he's not the movie in here, right? I like him better and, and them better when they are outside that law because it allows them to be the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. But and they have to get involved with bad people to do that, right? Um, and that's usually the like, like you mentioned, that's usually the way most of these mysteries that they take on goes, uh, where they have, for whatever reason, and it's different in each case, they have their own personal reasons for wanting to do it, or they just want to uncover the truth, and then they need an entry point, i.e. a client, to sort of work their way logistically into the mystery. Yeah, exactly. And Maloof is a good one because he uh, he's squirrely. You don't really know what's going on, and he kind of keeps you on your toes, and the masturbation video is kind of funny. I wonder if at some point we're going to see it. <laughs> Do we get to see his O face? Because they got to drop an O face reference at some point, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's got to happen. That's got to happen, right? <laughs> I'll I'll prepare myself for his O face. We're getting ready. Um, that'll okay. be a big a big a moment on the podcast. Um, <laughs> so we go back to uh, our hitmen, and they're hanging out again, and they get invited to a party. Um, by uh, Alonzo's new girlfriend. Yep. And then they see Penn's interview, which was a couple of scenes ago when uh, at the front of the pizza shop, and he's dropping his new theories of the congressman, right? Yeah. And furthering that or furthering his theories. Yeah. And um, they are kind of hot on the trail to get this job done and get this congressman. Uh, yeah. And just kind of forwarding the story here, but I think really get, getting us into eventually when we find out that this woman is Weevil's sister, yeah. um, that's really the important part here. Absolutely. And and it's also interesting to see, it's almost like real-time development, like someone does an interview, a local interview, it shows up on local news, yes, and then yep. and and then the guys who are just watching to have the TV on in their hotel room it's it, it comes on so like it, it's moving the plot forward but it's moving the plot forward in a really kind of technically interesting organic way that feels real time it also feels like authentic like i mean if if this were happening this is how it would happen yeah and that, um, and, and also it's a reflection of our society now right where we yeah. see that conspiracy theories ideas there, there. People just go on a large platform and spout it out, and we all say, "Oh well, come on! If you knew better, you'd know that's not the truth." But there's always unintended consequences, 
And the unintended consequence of Mr. Penn here is a bunch of hitmen sitting in a hotel like a mile away from him. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like a direct consequence right there. Uh, and that's so, cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, we So we didn't get any development in Rat Case 2019 no. in episode two. But we sure did get developments here because that's the next scene. Keith is still working the supermarket rat case um, solo because Veronica <laughs> Veronica is letting him do it on his own. Um, but there are some big developments, right? Well, we we get a couple scenes here and uh, not in, in definitive order because it comes – it's mentioned later in another conversation. But since this scene is where they actually talk about it – and I think – one of the things with this supermarket rat case, we don't really go back to the supermarket. We we saw there's a quick. Um, we went back in when the cameras were set up. Yeah. But in this case, we find out that there was a guy in Chino who admitted to doing it, and he says that he let the rats go because they gave him some. They sold him some bad food or bad stakes in the past. And Keith is suspicious about this because it's playing into this idea they're getting about the bombings being more about Neptune, Big Dick, and what's going on in the town uh, than it is even with the blackmail that they just found out about. Everything's kind of collating. And this, this story is propelling them into the same uh, line of avenue, or I should say same avenue as the PCHer and the crisp $600 bills. Yes. So again, Veronica and Keith have to straddle both and they're kind of getting pulled in both ways. But Veronica is always taking kind of the way that she thinks is less of a setup for le- the less people are involved in that seems more natural. But I think this is also a good scene because it's Keith actually wanting Veronica to work with him on yeah. a case, which is something that we talked about in episodes one and two, where there still was a regret that Keith had that Veronica wasn't a lawyer, that she wasn't safe out of Neptune, that she wasn't working like in New York at a big firm or something, right? So I think that that was kind of interesting because their relationship, I mean, we're only in the third episode here, but is still one that they're making a lot of jokes to each other, but there's not, we're not getting a lot of depth in the scenes between them. Right. Which could be an indication of some walls that are up between them. Yeah, I think definitely. I think Veronica's got a lot of walls up. For sure, yeah, you know, <laughs> for sure, and, and that, and 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 maybe that's why I think that when we get this ominous tone about what's happening in the future, maybe the real ominous part is Veronica having to be vulnerable, you know, and yeah. in a situation like that. So we shall see, baby. We shall see. We get a quick, um, a quick little scene here where um, Maloof is at the police station. But uh, he sends Logan out because he needs to be interviewed. And Logan takes a quick shot of like a wanted poster. And we're not sure what he's taken a picture of, but we're going to find out later. 
Absolutely. Um, but then he afterwards, Logan goes and uh, meets up with Veronica at Veronica's apartment. And this is where they get visited by Penn uh, with a pizza. And when I had my realization in the notes that it was the pizza shop, chose pizza, right? That's right. That, chose that, pizza. That was her last scene. <laughs> but this was a great scene because he mentions the evidence. I've got some evidence to show you and come to the murder head. And um, man, you know what? I just, I used to get annoyed every time Logan was in the background of a scene. But now he says funny little things. And I really <laughs> like him. And I don't know what's happening to me. But like even this scene, Veronica's kind of talking to him, you know, and Penn's being Penn. And lo- I don't remember exactly what Logan says, but he's just, he ha- his. He's not as uh, – he doesn't seem as cruel as he was, you yes. know? And even yes. when he's saying his little jokes and even though they're sarcastic and biting, his smile somehow disarms me now, whereas it used to make me suspicious. So in his age, I don't know, you know? I like him. He is growing on you. <laughs> you guys he's are going to be – I know you, you guys are going to be picking out the best friend China before you know it. Yeah, that's going to happen. Um, so we know that basically Penn is really hip on getting, um, uh, Veronica and Keith to come to this murder head meeting and for them to kind of like, you know, work together and team up and, and he's, he's luring them in with this shrapnel from the bombing. An authentic piece of shrapnel, <laughs> which he right. probably did a YouTube show on. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Do you have anything more you want to say about this kind of interactions with Penn? I don't because it's just sort of setting up. There's been yeah. a lot of talk about the murder heads and, 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 and we're going to meet them soon. But in a way, it kind of there needed to be a little bit of buildup because Penn's an important character this season. He may be full of himself. Maybe he's not full of himself, but the only way for Veronica to find out is probably to go to this meeting. Yeah. So, um, so they're doing really good work at building up this idea of a bunch of maybe outcasty people getting together and talking about conspiracies. Yeah, I dig it. I can't wait. And, and there's going to, uh, one of, uh, one of my favorite uh, kind of little-known character actors, Clark Duke, is going to show up there. I like that dude. Um, He's so good. So let's see. Uh, Logan gets a text from Dick to meet them at Quacks with some <laughs> and pants. He, and he actually says, this is Dick. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dick. Yes, you are Dick. Um, and Veronica wants to go there anyway because she wants to check out the security video. With Nicole. With Nicole. And she, and so we travel over there to Quacks and we get a great little scene here with Veronica and Nicole and they are fast friends and I love it. They are. And they're kind of cut from the same cloth, right? They're both, they're both women who have maybe been looked down on and pushed aside and they both have worked really hard to carve out their, their place. Um, they're both incredibly strong women. They're both incredibly intelligent women. And I think they see like a kindred spirit in each other. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that they are both interested in protecting other women and in protecting, um, and just protecting the town, you know, and being good people. Cause Nicole is just seems to be a good person. 
And even though, yeah, you know, she has to deal with some, uh, the undesirables maybe of Neptune, but she enjoys the party and, uh, they get offered some ecstasy and yeah. she and Dick and even Logan, I mean, Hey, he's an intelligence officer in the Navy, but he's like, fuck it. I'm taking E and, uh, they all party and have a great scene. And I love this scene. It's so, it's such a, it's such a, uh, it's such a palate cleanser because the story, the mystery is so dark. Yeah. The characters are so violent and dark. So it's great for, for her. I mean, a character like Veronica would need to blow off steam, right? Otherwise she would explode. So for her to have this night where she takes E, she dances on the dance floor, she, paints the town red. She paints the nightclub red. Um, she gets her groove on. She requests her favorite song, Scrubs. She's dancing to it with her girlfriend, <laughs> singing the lyrics at the top of her lungs. Um, you know, it just seemed both, it made sense for her character, but it also shaded in her character in maybe a slightly surprising way. Like Veronica does E. V- Veronica likes to dance and drink and party. Yeah, yeah. Um, but these are like welcome shadings to a character like Veronica because she just, she could just be business all the time, right? Yeah. Um, she could be a hard ass all the time. She could be like, let's solve the mystery. Let's solve the mystery 24 seven. But here she is, you know, at, at a nightclub with a, a new friend, um, and her boyfriend and she's just having fun. And it also, lets you for the audience there's all the talk of like hey neptune's a party town and it's the spring right we want to see a bit of that too and also you want to see it's good to see like a positive side of that you know yeah you can you can go out with friends and have a little too much to drink or whatever and have fun you know and people do that it doesn't have to end in in horrific in you know violence or bombs or rape or all that kind of stuff. People have the right to go out and have fun and let loose. And uh, even Veronica, though I will say that it does to me with her and Logan, there is no middle ground. You know what I mean? Like I I like to, they do seem to kind of have to like hit the highs or the lows, you know? Well, Um, I think, I think that's what, whether she knows it or not, I think that's what Veronica really means when she's talking about, like that she can't say yes to his marriage proposal because I have to believe she herself is wondering on some level, how do I do a day-to-day marriage yes. and a yeah. day-to-day life with anyone, much less Logan Eccles? Yeah. Like how do I thread that needle where I build a life with someone I'm home every night, you know, we eat dinner together. Maybe we have a child you know, after a year of marriage, like how does Veronica do that? Yeah, definitely. Um, Cause it, it's yeah. like, uh, you know, Ken, it's like those couples that always go out because they don't want to be alone together. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of like, I got a little, even though I love the scene, I did have a little sense of that. In I, the, and maybe that's just me, but you know, no, no, no. I, I think that's a smart observation. I mean, they are, they're not really hashing out the whole proposal thing. And it seems like they're going, both going to great lengths to not talk about yeah, it. Yeah. To avoidance. A Veronica is a, is a great practicer of avoidance. Yeah. And that is not good in life. Um, Veronica is hung over the next day. <laughs> I love that. That's fun. 
It's fun yeah, when and her and Keith have a little banter in there. Yeah. Their banter's great. they are great. Um Maddie arrives uh and she finally basically this is a scene we were kind of we were talking about before. Maddie basically breaks down and she admits what her whole little adventure was about and what her theory is about. And she talks about the vending machine and how the guy with the birthmark on his face loaded it with gum. Um, and that, and what she suspects is happening. So this is good because obviously, as we talked about in the last episode, they're kind of setting up Maddie as like little Veronica. Right. Yeah. And it's, I'm, this scene made me happy because we didn't need to have like, and that's why I love this show because it does have kind of B plots and other things that are going on, but they're not like wasteful, circular, annoying threes company type of things, you know? And I didn't need Maddie to avoid Keith and Veronica more. You know what I mean? Like be, that become a cat and mouse game. I like yeah. that they just kind of got it out in the open, you know? Um, yeah. And they also mentioned uh, that the um, uh, someone was taking poops in the vending machine. They talk about that. And it turns out it was Juan Diego, the guy who mugged Veronica. Right. And of course, uh, Logan and... Um and Keith are not happy that Veronica got mugged. <laughs> yeah, not at all. And and that is that plays into it too, right? Which is like you got it's it's kind of like she didn't even mention it, you know? That's again with like the avoidance thing, you know? And probably because the only part that was really important to her was this was who did it and the $600 bills, right? The fact that she was in danger and people who love her might want to know about that or that she herself may want to process the fact that she was mugged that morning, (laughs) which if it was me, I'd be shaken for weeks. You know, like somebody mugged me, honey. Oh my God. Is the world safe? You know? Um, But she's just like, doesn't even mention it. And it's just kind of, again, highlights the walls, you know? Yeah. There's a great scene between Veronica and Maddie where she actually literally takes her under her wing and they do surveillance together outside of the um of 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 the Fitzpatrick business where they're where they uh maintain the um the uh vending machines. Thank you. The vending machines. And because they're waiting for the guy that Maddie saw to come out so that they can ID him. And there's this great, it's just all character stuff. Even though they're, they're progressing the plot of the mystery, there's this just tender, short, wonderful scene between these two actresses and, you know, Veronica eventually hands her the camera, you know, Maddie makes a joke, like she doesn't know how to use it, but she does. Um, Oh, and then there's that great moment where Maddie's like, were you angry? after your friend died and Veronica takes a beat and then she says, I'm still angry. Yeah. yeah. Cause they share that grief, right? Like yeah. we're seeing that Maddie's origin story is similar to Veronica's, you yes. know, and, and they share at the center of that, this grief and with all that's going on with Veronica in the personal life, the proposal, her dad illness, right? Like seeing Maddie and what she's going through 
when is that going to click with Veronica, you know? And when is that mirror going to be unavoidable? Um, But in the meantime, we do get a kind of cool sidekick training little thing here. And even the part where Veronica says, want to see a trick? And she takes a picture of his license plate, (laughs) right? Like just kind of like, Hey, it's, you got to realize, take advantage of all the opportunity you have, right? Like, don't be like Vinny and you just, "Ah, I got the job done, right? Like you follow it through all the way and you got pictures of the guy, you got pictures of this, take your time, do it right. And I thought that that was a cool little touch there, you know, because I, I, for a second, I thought to myself, what was that about? Why did they do that in that scene? Right. Cause they had kind yeah. of done the whole thing. Maddie took the picture, but then Veronica takes the camera and like turns over her. Ooh, I just hit my own mic, but turns over her shoulder and says that and it's kind of neat. But then this leads to her sending Keith the photo Keith, And then we get, I love this stuff. Keith doing a little like detective two step on the phone with like two or three different people. And even though they kind of figure out, maybe I think the first woman figures, I'm not going to tell you anything. She tells him enough, yeah. right? To let him make a second call. Yeah, to get the set. You just need, and it just shows you how like so much of their job is just digging, you know, and you have to, and just, and it mirrors Veronica doing the over the shoulder picture of the license plate. Because even when Keith is deterred, he still finds what, what information he can, you know? And it's yeah. just a great little, I love no matter what with the characters and the catchphrase and everything, they're still at the heart. They get to that detective stuff. And I love detective stuff. So, yeah. and I love people kind of doing the like phone scams, <laughs> like con man, grifter stuff. So it's a lot of fun. So then through those phone calls, Keith is able to, to determine the identity of the man that Maddie ID'd, same as Perry Walsh. Um, and he was in Chino for mailing bombs to his ex-girlfriend. Yep. Um, and now he's working presumably for the Fitzpatrick's, yeah. um, at their vending machine company. So once this is, once this information comes out, then Keith, and I love this about Keith, he's very consistent. His character is very consistent all the way through seasons one, two, three, and now four, about once he has a certain level of information and evidence, he always wants to go to the police. Yes. Um, and he's done that the whole way through. Now, Veronica has not always done that, but no. Keith always does. I mean, he's always done that. So now that he has this information, an identity, a rap sheet, he goes to visit our chief of police, Marsha Langdon. Um, and <laughs> Marsha Langdon, she is a, I feel like her character became crystallized both in this episode and then we're going to talk about episode. Tune in to listen to us talk about episode four because more stuff happens with her. But I'll just say she's a piece of work. This, this woman, and she may not be as stupid or uh, venal as the Lamb brothers, but she is self-interested, she's ambitious, and she's not willing to give Keith an inch. 
No. An inch. And she's not really interested in figuring out what's happening at all. She's, she's just yeah. she just wants to take the credit. Yes, she, she exactly. Right. She's only interested in the political machinations and yeah. the publicity that comes from that, not actually helping the town of Neptune. She does the annoying thing where he comes and gives her all this info and she acts uninterested to his face. And then like the moment he leaves the room and she actually has to check that he's like laughed, like he's out of earshot. She's like Get the SWAT team. Like, you know, <laughs> let's move. Yeah, she t- <laughs> It oh is pretty gosh. bad. And it makes her look bad on purpose. Yeah, and for sure. uh, so we find out eventually that um, Perry kills himself uh, when the SWAT team arrives, and he le- but he leaves a manifesto in his right. refrigerator. And yes. we find this out actually during uh, – it's kind of – we see – different people find out that this happened and it's the way they do this in the episode. um, I really love it. And I want to just talk, just take a second to mention how they've really perfected. I think in these three episodes, I'm beginning to see how they have perfected that kind of complicated winding storyline of season two that they want to expand from season one. And this is a much better job than season two, right? They figured out how to do it where everything works together and people find out information simultaneously. And then the whole plot kind of moves where in a lot, what we found in season two is like one thing would move. Then they'd go to another thing and that would move and then they would meet. Right. And that's why it got kind of convoluted. But yeah. this way, we're seeing a direct response, and they're they're not afraid to quickly check in, and you see how an event affects a whole host of characters and the whole community of Neptune, and it really gives you a feeling that you're in this little town, you know? Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, um, Veronica and Logan go to Penn's murder meeting. Oh my God. Murder head meeting. And yeah. uh, I love the way that like my man, Clark Duke is up on one uh, screen. They've got like three people on screens, uh, yeah. computer screens, th- people over here uh, and then people sitting around. It's very today. I've probably done some YouTube live streams like this, um, but none about murder heads. Um, and they're <laughs> all just as annoying and kind of, um, and especially Clark Duke is very uh, uh, pushy and abrasive. Um, yeah. But they end up, this is the funny part, right? This scene is great because they're just all fascinated that it's Veronica and Logan. You yeah. know, like they're like Logan Eccles. And so all they're doing is asking all these questions about Veronica and Logan and Lily and like all their past. And it was kind of like a, it just worked perfectly. It was a great way to mention all that stuff. But these people would do that. Well, yeah, because it it, it gets back to the idea of fandom. Yeah. And usually with fandom, we think about, you know, a big actor, a big actress, a big director. But for these people, the real life participants of real life crime, they are the fans for these murder heads. So to get to meet the son of a murderer and then someone who figured in 
in the same mystery. Um, and then it turned out his father was responsible for that murder and that he's dating the girl who ostensibly solved the mystery. Um, these are big celebrities to these people. And it's sort of, it, it, it highlights kind of the age of celebrity yeah. that we live in. Definitely. Yeah, that's totally true. And, and the uh, kind of, like we talk about like toxic fandom yeah. that has risen up and that we've seen hell. Well, we saw a lot of it in that last season of game of Thrones, you know, people just sure. kind of being like forgetting that it's a human being you're talking to. Yeah. You know, like the way they just start asking them questions, it was really rude. It's really dehumanizing yeah. because I mean, at the end of the day, that was his ex-girlfriend and her best friend. And it, it's his father that, that ultimately committed that murder. Yeah. So they're kind of blase, um, snarky questions. Um, you know, are definitely of the moment. It's the way people talk to each other. Some people talk to each other on social media. So it's for sure believable that these people behave this way. But it also kind of highlights the inhumanity that sometimes technology kind of goes hand in hand with. Yeah. And that's uh, sad, but true, but not on this podcast. No, sirree. Um, so we finally get this reveal of the shrapnel. Yeah. Um, and it was a nail and Penn traces it back to a company that the congressman had in his district or, or voted for a bill for them or something. No, it's even worse than that. It's made by an American Indian tribe and he headed oh, okay, the, okay. The, the American Indian like con congressional panel. Thank you, Ken. And Thank so, you. of course <laughs> – of course, your boy, Clark Duke, is like, really? That's what you got? <laughs> like, and everyone in the room is like, what? And Veronica's rolling her eyes because she's like, Logan and I came here. We're like, wasted our time. And this is your revelation. <laughs> but Penn can't. It's actually, a, I mean, it's funny. But it's also a great character beat for Penn in a way because it just shows that he's a dog with a bone. Yeah. And right now his bone is Daniel Maloof and he cannot let it go. And he's willing to find anything or think of anything that's going to uh, validate his theory. Yes, exactly. And, and uh, he'll continue to do that. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, but we do get in a voiceover, I believe Veronica kind of restating that, um, she believes again that this is a concerted plan to destroy Neptune as a spring break destination. Yeah. That's her theory that she's going with at this point. And I love the way that in the show, another thing they're doing here is um, I think they're doing it more than they did before is they're letting us know more again and again, after everything happens where Veronica stands I feel like they're doing that more this season than they did in other seasons through either voiceover or exposition in a scene. Yeah. They're kind of, t they're kind of having more scenes where we go through everything again and, we, and they kind of remind us who is who and take a, take an opportunity just to kind of set the pieces, you know? Yeah. And uh, I like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so now we go to the congressman. Um, who leaves his hotel in search of his cigarettes. 
You know what I love about this sequence? Because, of course, the hitmen are parked outside of um, – Alonzo and Dodie are parked outside of the hotel. Um, I love um, characters – like often with characters like Alonzo and Dodie, they might waste time or they might inexplicably do things that would uh, stall the story. And I love that these two guys are on it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. like yep. they're not wasting time. They're not, you know, letting people monologue to them. They they're pretty efficient at their job. They are. They're extremely efficient. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you. So they're efficient at their job. And it's, I mean, yes, they're hitmen and that's horrible and for sure, but it's so refreshing. It feels refreshing, doesn't it? To like see these characters just like, we have a job to do. We do it well. We're going to, let's go. That's what I mean about we're not getting, this show does not get caught in cyclical B stories. Yeah. That are just basically like, to kind of, you know, and I mean, I think a lot of ways that is a reflection of this being an eight episode season as opposed to a 20 or 22 episode season. Yeah. And you don't need to do that. And that's what we all kind of grew up with. And sometimes that can lead to fun, memorable stories that are awesome. And we talk about them and their memes now or whatever. But most, probably about 60, 70% of the time in, in the history of kind of network TV, it was just a lot of empty space, yeah, you know, and sure. just people killing time and trying to find plots that had a boom, boom, boom so they could keep it going. And you're right. They just are there, right? We saw them in the hotel. They saw a pen. Now they're there. And it's great writing because they were obviously going to grab him themselves, but before they can do anything, they watch him get pushed into a white van and, 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 and then the van takes off. Um, and so of course they follow the van because the congressman is in there, but it's great writing in the sense that it ties multiple storylines together because as it turns out, the two brothers of the younger Maloof's, um, uh, ex-fiance, her brother, um, are the ones who kidnapped him because they still want the ring. And they're also kind of racist. I mean, shocker. <laughs> shocker, kind, they're racist of. too. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they're all – and then we – this – I mean, they are – I keep on waiting for one of them to say, squeal like a pig. You know what I mean? Right. Like they are very stereotypical. Right. Um, and they're just throwing like like – bottles at the guy's dick while he's tied up and like it's just like uh really kind of silly but it works and it actually seems like something that they would do you know what i mean it's just dehumanizing and degrading and actually and i have to say that i do think that um you know it reminded me actually of some of that like abu grab stuff those pictures that we saw how he was kind of tied up like that. And I think that there was a message there and, you know, there always is a message in Veronica Mars about uh, racism and, and basically just otherness, you know, in general, the whole show could be about that. Right. And how we distance ourselves from other people. Um, But I thought that that was purposefully done. And uh, when that was, uh, when I rewatched it, I noticed it even more and I was like, wow, they, it looks like they actually went to some lengths to kind of set that scene up to make it look like that. 
yeah, uh, even absolutely. with the lights and everything. And it was yeah. it was pretty disturbing, even though the throw just throwing uh, when. Maloof is such an, he's annoying, you know? So it's like, it's hard to get, feel really bad for him. But then you're like, man, this guy has been through it. (laughs) And also it plays into the whole masturbation video. (laughs) Right. Come on. Well, well, (laughs) it always has a dick joke. It's also kind of brave. I feel like it's brave storytelling in 2019 to make the, um, the middle Eastern congressman, who is like the, and he he says this about himself. I'm not saying it, but he says he's the Middle Eastern Barack Obama. Um, it's great to have him be so flawed and venal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And kind of incompetent and weak. Um, because usually in this day and age, I feel like a character like that is 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 maybe put up on a pedestal. Um, so it's great. It. It's great. It's equal opportunity shading here. You know, everyone can be um, weak. Everyone can be, have a dark side. Even the, you know, Middle Eastern congressman who lots of people look up to. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that is right. Like, yeah, you're right. They don't, you, you're, you're absolutely right. They could have, they could go for the after school special, but right. uh, that ain't Veronica Mars. Uh, and that's why we love it. Um, so they, Maloof ends up getting rescued um, yeah. by Alonso and Dodie, yeah. and they're going to kill him. But right. then they hear on the radio that Perry has killed himself. Yes. And they kind of don't know what to do. Um, and then the congressman is um, pretty quick witted, realizes I've got to find a way to kind of get myself out of this situation. Uh, and he offers him a hundred thousand dollars to kill the brothers. Which at that point, I, I completely believed that he would do that. Like if they had done that scene any earlier, I don't know if I would have believed it, but given everything this man has now been through, particularly in the last 48 hours and how, uh, uh, spineless he's been, revealed to be then i completely believed that on a lark he would offer these two guys a hundred thousand dollars to kill off his problem and and also save his own life at the same time yeah it just keeps it moving you know what i mean like you're right it is kind of a plot contrivance in a sense but it does make sense too because this is the way this guy thinks right and it does, but he, it kind of shows how he would get to be a congressman right because that's actually pretty smart give him another job, right? Like these are yeah. guys who are on the job. So give him another job and then it keeps it kind of going. Um, and at the same time, like I, I had mentioned earlier, but this is when we get the simultaneous finding out yeah. and the news breaks at uh, Logan and Veronica at the murder head meeting, the news breaks and the meeting quickly dissipates because this destroys their entire <laughs> theory. <laughs> And they all are kind of just kind of shit on Penn a little bit. And he's dejected, but he's already got a sparkle in his eye for the next theory. Right. Because he's already, you could tell in that at the end of that scene that he's already grabbing on to the idea that maybe there's something else going on that may involve, uh, you know, 
the rash of vandalism. And, you know, so he's already, you could tell he's already starting to formulate what is my next theory or, you know, you know, dot, dot, dot. Uh, So then of course we go to the next morning. Once again, all of this happening kind of in real time, organically, the storytelling has been so crisp in this season four. So like one event just follows the next. So we're, we're at Veronica's apartment the next morning. Her dad is there. They're, 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 they're there ostensibly to watch the sheriff make, uh, have, I'm not sheriff, chief of police make a press conference, you know, revealing that, um, you know, that the dude killed himself and that he was responsible for the bombing. Um, you know, I don't believe anyone thinks that she's going to give Keith and Veronica credit. Nah. Um, no, but, um, but, but they're all there to watch. <laughs> yeah, they are. They, they are there to watch. And Veronica is not really buying this. Right. Um, she's not ready to let this go. She wants, she thinks there's the connection to Chino and Big Dick. And she asked Keith to bring in Clyde, J.K. Simmons, uh, and accept the case to find his ex-girlfriend. And Keith begrudgingly agrees to do it. uh, But he also is kind of like, let's just get our money from the Maloofs and let's be on with it, Veronica, you know? Well, um, he he has a great line. Let's take the win. Yes, yeah, you're right. Let's take the win. And he said that before, yeah. you know, because it usually is Veronica who keeps on wanting to go, 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 and he worries about her too. There's a sense of worrying in that too, isn't there? Um, yes, that she's maybe also using this to avoid the engagement. Though, from her point of view, you can understand that you know, um, um, uh, 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 Perry Walsh. Big Dick Casablancas and Clyde were all in Chino together. Yeah. So you could understand why the wheels are turning in Veronica's head. Definitely. And and it's Veronica. And right. <laughs> if, if Veronica thinks right. something, I think she's right. That's just the way I am. <laughs> um, so then we get a great scene with Keith and Clyde really getting along. Um, and, and kind of talking to each other and they, you know, they seem to have a good connection, uh, between each other. And, um, Keith basically reports back to Veronica that he thinks he's a good guy and that he really wasn't Clyde wasn't really such a bad criminal that he actually kind of helped people when he could, you know, and, um, and, and Keith convinces her to drop it. And let's just go pick up the check and let's just drop the case. So at first I couldn't decide whether it was all an act or whether he was a part, at least a part of him was genuinely attracted platonically to this man. But you're right, Axel. There's a real connection between Keith and Clyde, maybe because they're around the same age. Um, I, but I think it's an interesting character beat for for Keith to like have found like a guy that he likes, you know, to like want to make a friend with someone like Clyde. I think that's an interesting character beat for Keith. Yeah, because Keith has always, you know, throughout the series, his relationships have gone sour with women, right? 
with friends. You think about, I mean, originally with kind of the community that he had formed in Neptune, yeah. um, being the sheriff, and with and then his and then Veronica's mom being who she turned out to be. Um, so it is kind of actually nice to see you want Clyde to be a good guy, right? Like I want, I actually, at this point, I want him to turn out to be a friend to Keith Yeah, because I want Keith to have a friend. Um, and of course, Clyde offers Keith concierge free medical care, Yeah, um, which we're going to get to in the, in episode four. So make sure to listen to it. But, um, but it's great because like, you know, and Clyde just seems like, you know, there's a real charm to J.K. Simmons' performance as yeah. Clyde Prickett. The kind of real easy charm about him. Um, and Keith gets to tell some great stories to Veronica in the scene about like how he was a criminal, how how he had like a code and sort of a weird honor to the way that he would rob banks. Yeah. So. Because that's like you say, Keith appreciates that stuff, even though he'll always go to the cops when it gets down to it, right? And the criminal has to get caught because that's the final. In Keith's mind, they are not the final arbiter. In Veronica's mind, I think she thinks they are. But in Keith's mind, it is the law. Yeah. But he respects the code and the kind of underworld because he has to live within it. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like heat, right? Like the good guy and the bad guy are really the same. And um, I think that that's kind of interesting that they're taking the time to develop Keith's character here. And I really like it. And I like this scene a lot. And the free medical care care thing, excuse me, care is, uh, (laughs) is really important because we're seeing these little touches and we may not be mentioning it, but there are these little touches of Keith forgetting something here, yeah. right? Or being a little slow there. Yeah. And um, again, I mentioned in the last episode that that is so indicative of people who have traumatic brain injury that everything can seem fine, you know? And that's so disconcerting to them too. Yeah. So it's good to see him kind of being able to get some help. Um, so then we get to Alonzo arriving at a party with, with the girl from the hotel and we find yep. out it's Weevil's sister. Of course it is. Yay. Weevil's back. Yes. Oh my God. I've been waiting so long to see Weevil. I love it. I love it. He's a, a little bit, a little older, a little slower, kind of, he has a little slower walk now, doesn't he? He seems to be kind of like. A, a a man of power, right? Like he, right. he he just carries himself differently. Well, he seemed very godfathery. Yeah, very like uh, you know, paterfamilias, like the head of a family. Um, he because he was just kind of sitting at a table, kind of like the way that um, kind of like the way the Godfather did in the first movie, like just kind of casually ran a criminal or organization. Um, so like from his backyard. So um yeah, so we get reintroduced to Weevil. We don't get any backstory that would explain how he got here from the end of the movie where we found out that he was married. He seemed to have maybe a legit job. He had a cute little daughter and then things happen in the movie which seem to imply that he might go back to a life of crime. Yeah. And now we pick up with him 5 years later 
um, in this episode. And he is definitely back. Not only is he back, but he seems to be the head of the PCHers again. Um, and he does like the godfathery thing where like the sister brings the boyfriend over and introduces him and, and, uh, Weevil quickly, uh, recognizes his, his tattoo yep. on, on his, what's up. Yeah, and he knows it. He knows he's a made man from one of the crime families in Mexico, and so he's like, "Are you here on business?" And they talk in like coded language, and then he's like, "Don't hurt my sister," which is like a totally you know organized crime thing for him to say. Um, and so, and then, and then it's over. Like, and then, and then Alonzo walks away. It's like nice guy <laughs> to his girlfriend. Yeah, so. and it's sad. it's it's great because I, I'm I'm happy to see them diving into this because yeah. I love the Weevil and I think that it's interesting this aspect of the show. Um, but it's sad because yeah. of where we found him in the beginning of the film and where it ends up, and as a result of Neptune, right? Yeah. And the rich people there, that's why he, and the police, that's why he kind of kind of goes back to this life of crime, right? Yeah. And that's a sad thing. And the, and the show is always making statements about it. But overall, I have to say it is a TV show. So I'm kind of glad, actually, I think this is a good, this is a good way to get Weevil into the show. Uh, yeah. back integrated into the show and into our mysteries, you know? I mean, maybe, you know, obviously you say that there's ways you could show, like, a better representation. Um, but I think for this show, it's on brand. And for his character, it is too. Because it seemed like yeah. he does seem, um, you know, even more comfortable than he was in the beginning of the movie. It seemed very precipitous. Yeah, You know? So. And I mean, and who knows what happens and maybe we'll find out what happens. Don't spoil us. But like, presumably maybe his wife left him. Maybe he doesn't have custody of the child. Yeah. We don't um, know. Yeah. So, but it'll be interesting to find out if they choose to tell us that. Um, but it's a short scene. It's just great to see the actor. It's great to see the character. Um, and it's, and, and like you just so kind of artfully said, it's also just provocative to see where he is right now and to see what that's going to mean, not only to this mystery, but to the, but to Veronica's life in general, because those two characters are connected and they'll probably always be connected. Definitely. So we end out this episode. um, Veronica's on the beach Uh, earlier in the episode. Dick had kind of signed Logan up to play this, yeah. Uh, charity volleyball game on the beach. Yeah. Uh, it's sunny. It's nice. Veronica's but, having a good time. She's yeah. smiling. Veronica's smiling, yeah. having a good time. But we hear a voiceover, and you can kind of tell from the voiceover that, and boom, another bomb goes off, yeah. right? And she then comes, we get the voiceover that, Again, she's sadly right that she didn't want to be right. She wanted to try to let it go and let it be. But Neptune will not go that way. Yes. And we get another big explosion, which I think the way they did it was so cool because we got 
the you know just, I'm just talking from a film perspective because an explosion and a bomb is not cool, but in the in we had the first episode start off with the sweeping vista. You saw the destruction, right? We yeah. ended the episode with Maddie walking through it and Veronica there with Keith. But with this one, it's like in the distance yes. and we hear the cries and the screams and it even makes it scarier. And they did a really great job of this. People, I mean, the again, this show just always does great in everyone they put on screen. Um, and, you know, that's hard because there's a technique to directing crowds, too. And they've they picked it up in in this uh, in this new season, all the scrambling and Veronica just kind of sitting there. It was a real scary moment. And it's um it it, it it it's another kind of like you were just saying a few minutes ago. It's another kind of vantage point of violence. Yeah. Um. It's not up close and personal this time. It's in the distance, but you still get to see um the um the effects of it. Definitely. So that's where we end episode three. Another bomb has gone off. We thought it was over before that bomb went off. Did you think it was over? (laughs) No, because I always believe Veronica. Me too. (laughs) Not for a second. I I have to admit I didn't. And I also have to say that they didn't go to extraordinary lengths. There is that kind of lull in you know, like the Keith and Clyde thing, right? The party, we get to see Weevil. So it's a little lull, but they don't overdo it to the point that like there's four scenes with everybody going, so I guess it's over now, you know? Like they didn't try to fake end it. We know it's episode three, okay? We've kind of figured something else is going to happen. But I like the way that they just let the episode roll into it. And then it really did take me by surprise, so um, yes. I love the episode, a lot of fun. We still don't know what the hell's going on. I don't think at this point you could even hazard a great guess because we've got so many kind of loose ends up in the air. Right. I mean, we know we know that it's not Daniel Maloof. We know it's not Perry Walsh. Um, so... Those are the things I guess we do know by the end of this episode. But then who is it? And is Veronica right? Is the Chino connection a thing? Um, so those are the questions we're sort of left with at the end of episode three. But with Maloof, it kind of could be with the email and and the and the um, and the uh, blackmail that's going on. You know, right. so there's little connections there. So they're so expertly doing it. And I have to say that in, in season one, I was never really confused. I could keep track of what was going on, you know, even though they did a good job, maybe here and there say in season two, it got pretty confusing to me. Yeah. I think all the different roads, they're doing a real great job here again and again of reminding us, bringing us back saying characters' names, reminding us of how they're related to one another while still building it up. And it just made me so excited going into what would what will be, and I will only say this, spoiler, episode four, I absolutely loved, and we're just about to talk about it. Any final words on episode three? 
Uh, just to reiterate what you just said, it's like really tight storytelling. Yeah. Um, it's really focused storytelling. Um, and they don't need 22 episodes to tell a good mystery. Um, I'm glad we got them in season one. It was great. But I, I think you can tell a great mystery with eight hours of television, um, especially if you don't have commercials. Um, and and Rob and Diane are, are doing a great job so far. Fantastical. So thank you, everyone, for listening. In real time, we're going to just do a little chill, and then we're going to roll right into episode four. But you might have to wait a little while on the feed. That's okay. You love it anyway. Come back to us, dvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to talk to us about Veronica Mars, subscribe, rate, and review. Go to dvrpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We used to be friends. We're still friends. Let's stay friends. I felt like singing there. I'm going to sing. We used to be friends. You know what? I've gotten more into the theme song. I have to admit, it, I liked it, but then I, I'm feeling it more now. I'm kind of flowing and grooving to it at the beginning of the episode. Yes. So we'll, we'll end where we begin. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back with episode four. Peace. Peace.